I'm Anne-Marie Maffedon, CEO and head stomach at Stemets. And I'm Lauren Wally, and this is Stemets Say What. In each episode, we'll meet a different expert to discuss what it's really like to break into the field of STEM and of STEAM, being science, technology, engineering and maths, and science, technology, engineering and arts. You know, in lots of ways, it's harder if you're a mature student, but then in other ways, it can be easier in that you've got so much else going on that when you've got the time that you can study, you just get on with it. This week's guest is Professor of Computer Science and Technology Evangelist at Durham University, Dr. Sue Black, and she'll be answering our four what's on being a mature student. Hi, Sue. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to talking to you. So all of us are excited then. I want you to go back in time to the moment that you first discovered the magic of STEM. What was that like for you? When I was about five at infant school (laughs) and we used to have those cards where it was kind of like we were playing sort of shops at school and I used to love adding up the 2p 8p 10p and because I'm so old that time it was in pound shilling and pence and I just used to love all of the adding up and just all the sort of mental arithmetic around that and then I used to absolutely love just maths in general so I used to spend my pocket money on maths textbooks from when I was about six or seven so like run into wh smith with my pocket money and buy a math textbook was like my dream thing to do spend my time in my bedroom with a pencil and a math textbook doing little math problems how geeky but it's also like relatable right like i think that's the thing it's like everyone remembers in some ways like having that thing that's like their dream and having something they want to build up to maybe not necessarily math textbooks but you know like there's like a reward right it's like (laughs) delayed gratification so you love the maths we went back into your yeah. childhood. Let's zoom forward to today because you are a professor. You are, you know, superstar. You are the yeah. Sue Black. For anyone that's listening in who has probably heard your story before or listened to 100 Moments that changed computer science, which I also feature on your podcast with you as well, just so folks can kind of get their heads into where you're at, at the moment, what a professor and tech evangelist does at Durham as well. What's a typical day look like for you? Well, of course. So the answer to that question is I don't have a typical day. So I can give you some examples from the last week. Last week, Monday to Thursday, I was in Iceland at the Women Political Leaders Conference. One of those days, I was chatting to people that work with the female prime ministers in different countries around the world, chatting to MPs. I was on a panel talking about the metaverse with people from various different countries and having a nice time in Iceland. Saturday, ran with my team a reunion for our Tech Up Women alumni in Durham. So that was lunchtime till 11 o'clock at night reunion, which involved speakers coming in and talking about all sorts of things. Tech Up Women is all about retraining women from underserved communities into tech careers, working with industry partners. So it was absolutely inspiring to, to have our Tech Up Women telling their stories of how their life has changed since they've gone through our program from feeling not so confident with technology to now, for example, one of our women was talking about her journey through the last couple of years through TechUp and now she's working as a cybersecurity consultant at Accenture, coming from a background when she joined us that she just finished a PhD in medieval literature. You know, so we had a great time there and we had a Kaylee in the evening, so lots of dancing. Today, I'm online all day, back-to-back meetings. So, you know, I mean, every day is very different. So I went to Edinburgh Uni and I didn't 
know what a Kaylee was, but I think one of the first uni events was, oh, there's a free Kaylee on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, whatever that word is, I'm going to go check it out. And it truly might have been the best <laughs> fun I had at university. Yeah, they are great fun, aren't they? I mean, I did like, it was called Scottish Country Dancing when I was at primary school, but I did it then. And uh, yeah, I used to love it then and still love it now, even at my advanced age of, I'm about 160 years old. I'm looking good for 160, I Looking very good for 160. Looking fantastic. Looking incredible, too. So we are here to talk about mature students, which my definition is anyone over the age of 21, right? Let's start with our first what which is what was your driving force behind entering, re-entering, in fact, education? I always loved education. I always read loads. I didn't want to leave school at 16 when I had to. So yeah, when I was 26, coming back into education, it was all about trying to earn enough money to support my three kids because I'd ended up as a, a single parent living on a council estate in Brixton with three small children. And I wanted to not be on benefits if possible. And I wanted to have enough money so my kids could have the life that I wanted them to. I left school with not many qualifications. So if I'd just got a job, then I wouldn't have earned enough money to even pay for childcare, let alone anything else. And so I thought education is the answer. And if I can get a degree, then I should be able to earn more money. So I did a course at college called Polymaths, which was equivalent to two A-levels in one year. Getting that qualification meant that I could go to uni. So I decided to do computing because I loved it and still love it and yeah so then went into computing did a degree in computer studies it was called at South Bank Uni in South London. Wow you've obviously gone on to achieve incredible things but I also just want to say that's an incredible story. I'm just wondering were the people around you supportive of you like re-entering education at 26? I had my ex-in-laws who were supportive and, and helped me by looking after the kids. So that was great. But I actually didn't know very many people at that time because I just moved to a completely new area. But yeah, I had a few friends around me who would help babysitting for the kids when I was going to classes and stuff like that. My driving force was really to provide the sort of life for my kids that I, that I wanted them to have. All driving forces is definitely something, you know, I'm sure you'll have seen across quite a lot of folks who our mature students, but also students in general, right? I think a lot of folks want to be able to set themselves up for really good employment. And maybe that's that's one big reason why folks you know, become mature students and of course go into higher education. You're a professor at the moment, you're at Durham and you're seeing this maybe from the other side now, which was the other reason why we really wanted to have you for this podcast episode. What are the other kinds of motivations that folks have in 2022, 2023 and beyond for becoming a mature student? At Durham, we don't have as many mature students as there were at South Bank. So I think, well, you know, when I was at South Bank Uni, we had maybe about eight of us in a class of 80. So about 10% mature students. I think at Durham, it's probably a bit less than that. But we're really keen to get more diversity in our student cohorts. And we're working on things like the foundation program to really help support more mature students come into Durham, particularly in computing. That's the kind of course that I did, I suppose, all all those many years ago that really helped me get in, you know, coming from a non-traditional background. Yeah, we absolutely would like to have more mature students at Durham. It's really opened my eyes to that college experience, which I didn't have at my uni. So I know that you went to Oxford, right, Anne-Marie? So you know about colleges and how that kind of adds to the whole experience at university. And I think that's that's been an eye-opener for me. I think I'm probably naturally 
an introvert, but I've kind of turned myself into a bit of an extrovert over the years because I just saw that that would help me live a happier life, really. And, and uh, so I've challenged myself a lot to come out of my shell, I suppose, over the years. And now the sort of thing that I was scared of when I was younger, and when I'm talking about younger, I mean like when I was in my 20s and 30s, even was to talk to people I didn't know. Whereas now for me, one of the most wonderful things in my career, you know, like in Iceland last week at that conference, was I'm no longer scared to go and talk to people. Oh, that's really lovely to hear. And I think think it kind of leans into what number two. What were the practicalities of being a mature student? And that's what's the application process? How do you sort out accommodation? Do you mature students like go into Freshers Week and go for all the parties the way you'd expect like an 18 year old, you know, university applicant to do? So back then we had PCAS and UCAS and PCAS was for polytechnics. So I only applied to polytechnics because actually I wanted a practical university course, you know, like so now South Bank is London South Bank University. But at that time it was South Bank Polytechnic. In terms of partying and Freshers Week, yeah, so I went to Freshers Week stuff and did as much partying as I could with being restricted by having three kids. I used to get called Auntie Sue, I think, in our class because I was like 27 when I started uni in computing. We would all as, as a family, me and the three kids, go and stay in the student houses and like hang out and have a good time. So it was actually wonderful. I absolutely loved it. And I missed my friends from that time because that's a long time ago now. That's like 1990. There was just such happy times, really. I mean, it was a hard for me, but at the same time, I was just making so many friends and having having a great time as well i mean it, it's funny looking back that idea at 27 being called auntie sue <laughs> it's so funny like age is just a number this yeah. is the thing right it's all relative and so yeah that idea of being auntie sue at 27 is really funny i mean i'm wondering as well on the finance side what does that look like you know do you have student finance as well as a mature student do you pay a different price as well for your student fees these days, I don't actually know. Back then, I got a grant. So I got a grant of about £3,500 a year, I think. That was to pay my rent, all my expenses and, and everything. So we didn't really have loans. Loans were just coming in. I think in the final year, I took out a loan of £1,000 so I could buy a computer. So I could actually work from home because we didn't really have like laptops or anything back then. I think it is quite similar I mean I'm answering my own question here maybe now <laughs> but yeah I've, I've heard I've seen from our research that we've done I know it is definitely similar to folks that are going in especially for undergraduate degrees it's the same so I know you definitely can apply for the same loans grants scholarships and bursaries and they do, it is means tested right like it would be when you're older there's maintenance loans there's bursaries I think it differs if you go and you're doing like a master's rather than doing an undergraduate and if you're doing maybe postgraduate qualifications it's a lot more murky. So maybe that's an episode to come, really. Do you feel like the grant that you got was able to support you as a mature student who potentially had like more responsibilities than, you know, the 18 year old guys who are calling you Auntie Sue? <laughs> no, it didn't feel like enough money. No. And actually, I was worse off on much worse off on a student grant than I was on benefits. So I was on income support before that, which I can't remember how much that was, but my rent got paid then. So I found it very hard to be able to buy books for uni, travel, pay for food and pay the rent and pay all the bills. And I got into debt basically when I was a student and uh, thank goodness for credit cards. Otherwise, I don't know what we would have done. Almost got taken to court for not paying my my rent to the council. I'm sorry, that's terrible. And it's also really 
mathematically silly. You know, if you're going to give me a grant to go back to school and you know I'm going back to school and this is the situation, the math isn't mathing. And particularly at that time, so that's like the late 80s, early 90s, there was just so much stuff from politicians and in the press about, you know, single parents are the scourge of society. And so, you know, I got treated quite badly by various people as well that, that didn't even know me. Not at uni, but outside, like going to the council, for example, to say that I just can't pay the rent and stuff like that, which I think has stayed with me, actually. You know, I mean, I, I really care deeply about equity, diversity and inclusion. And I think potentially my time then being treated poorly by people that didn't even know anything about me, really, apart from I was poor. Poverty is, is one of those things that stays with you for life. So, I mean, I guess I've tried to turn it around and and use it to help other people and help people realize that we don't all start from the same place. And there are all sorts of things that we need to take into account when dealing with people who've come from all different sorts of backgrounds. I think this is definitely a wider thing across academia as well, right? I mean, there's definitely the arguments and the conversations that are going on at the moment for the stipend, the minimum stipend that's been set by UKRI and, you know, the main funding bodies. It's the reason why we end up still having to have a bit of a scholarship culture, really, right, to plug those gaps for folks. Yeah. I know we have the scholarship at Durham, but it's still something that I always feel a bit yeah. funny about. I'm like, you know, we shouldn't really need scholarships. It should just be that these things are funded and paid for properly. And we all know society benefits when people have good education and have access to it. And I think it is something, you know, you started BCS Women, I think, in, in amongst all of this. And it's definitely a reason why, you know, having those groups, having those tribes, having those communities that you can work with together to advocate for change is definitely one way to try and do your bit, I guess, if you've, if you've got the capacity to for whoever's coming next. I wanted to ask a question as well, following on from something Lauren asked earlier as well around application processes. You'd left school at 16, you'd gone back and done bridging and, you know, some of the other courses you mentioned earlier. Who ended up writing your references for your degree as a mature student? For the first degree, yeah. So it was my college tutors. And in terms of getting onto the college programme, I went to the college asking to do maths A-level. And the tutor that I ended up speaking to, Willie Taylor, who was an absolutely wonderful tutor, said, oh, no, you don't want to do maths A-level. He says, we've got a course we can do two maths A-levels in one year, and then you can get into university like next September. And that was the polymath course, which I don't even know if that still runs anymore. But that was amazing because it was 20 hours a week private study at home, which was great for me because I had the kids, and six hours a week in classes, which was basically Tuesday night and uh, Thursday night. And it was problem-based learning in the classes as well. So, I mean, it was just an incredible course and really took me from someone who hadn't studied for 10 years through to being able to go to uni the next year, which was hard the first year. Oh, my goodness. But at the same time, you know, I did it. I got in there and then, you know, didn't just do a degree, did a PhD and kind of stayed on. And 30 years later or whatever, here I am. I've looked it up on Google and the Polymath course, I think, does still exist. Looks like University of Bolton. So it's still there. Polymath is a course of A-level standard, which is taught in the evenings on a part-time basis. Brilliant. Solving problems. Thanks. Thanks there, Sue. Good to know it's, it's still running. And a big shout out to the IMA as well. We'll put a link to them in the show notes. Third, what... And this one, you again, we've touched on a little bit, but actually it might be a nice one to kind of reflect on people, you know, that are mature students at the moment for this one, Sue. What is the work-life balance as a mature student? And this is assuming that people are working at the same time. I know a lot of folks do this on the OU as well. Have you had to learn and work at the same time? And what's that been like? 
obviously it makes it harder in some ways if you're a mature student because and particularly if you've got children and particularly if you're a single parent as in my experience you know you're not always free to just get on and study and it it was interesting actually because what I found during the degree was that even though I had such a limited amount of time to do my studying that actually helped kind of in quotes maybe in a way because as soon as I had that bit of time I got straight down to it and did my studying whereas all of my uni nephews uh, the ones that call me auntie sue's are the 18 year old guys a lot of them just left home for the first time we're getting up to all sorts of things i don't know what but also like missing classes so they had the all of their time they could study and so i feel like having such a restricted amount of time actually helped me in a way in that i knew if i didn't do it then i couldn't do it so i just had to get on so it was great kind of motivation so I went on for my degree and then interviewed and got a place doing a PhD. So then my, my income tripled and then I started part-time teaching. So I was kind of like part-time teaching and studying or doing research for my PhD. And then because I didn't finish my PhD in the three years that I had funding for, I applied for a position at the uni and uh, got a job as a full-time lecturer. And so then I was working full-time and then trying to finish off my PhD part-time. And, and sometimes that just meant every evening, every spare moment at the weekend. You know, in lots of ways, it, it's harder if you're a mature student. But then in other ways, it can be easier in that you've got so much else going on that when you've got the time that you can study, you just get on with it. And also, I think it helps in a way being mature in that, that you've probably worked in various different places. I really like having some mature students in the class because quite often they've just got really, really interesting contributions to make to classes. You know, like if you're lecturing or, or running tutorials, they can bring to life some of the things you're talking about often because it's actually happened to them. One of the guys was retired in my class and he'd always have a great story, which really helped to kind of crystallize in everyone's minds what we were talking about in class around strategic management because he always had an example, which I didn't have. So you know, I loved having some mature students in the classroom. Also, it sounds like being a mature student, or at least like in your experience, was never letting like procrastination creep in. It was like, this is our spare hour, <laughs> doing the assignment now. But I'm wondering, did you ever struggle to give yourself time off? Like, how did you structure your time so that you were doing your part-time PhD, you were doing your teaching, you were being a wonderful mom, and hopefully having some fun and getting some rest? Like, how did that work? Because people knew I had kids at home and my friends at uni knew I had kids at home. They'd quite often come round to my place and we'd just hang out and watch TV or, I don't know, just chat about uni or do coursework together. Yeah, that's time off, isn't it? Hanging out with friends from uni. And then my ex-in-laws were great as well in that they had the kids some weekend so that I could just go out and go clubbing or, you know, whatever I fancied <laughs> doing back in the day. <laughs> You mentioned working as a lecturer. I remember as well when I was doing my undergrads, having folks who were doing their, then it was DPhils, also working under our lecturers, right? So doing like our tutes and marking things and all the rest of it. Your employer and where you're studying are sometimes one and the same, often actually when you're a mature student. Sometimes they're not, right? Sometimes you work outside yeah. of academia. And I asked this question because I know it's something that isn't even necessarily always limited to mature students, right? That the idea of like the work that you end up doing and you having like things to submit can sometimes clash a little bit. But did you find that that was something that was easy to balance because they were one and the same or that actually felt it did feel impossible sometimes? Mm. Yeah, well, it definitely felt impossible quite a lot of the time. <laughs> but then, you know, I had people around me that, again, supported me at the uni. 
I mean, one of the things I can remember finding difficult and challenging was as a PhD student, you could do part-time teaching, which I did as much of as possible. Quite often, I wouldn't know what teaching I was going to be doing and what day and what time until like the week before the term started, or even if I would have any teaching. And so, because I really relied on that money to supplement my income, that was very difficult. And sometimes I didn't really know much about what I was going to be teaching on confessions now. By the next week, you know, you'd find out maybe on the Friday, oh, you're teaching this subject next week. I'll be like, okay, spend the whole weekend reading up on whatever it was. And it's probably something that I studied during my degree or was related to what I'd studied. So it wasn't like I didn't know anything at all, but you know, like you need to know quite a bit about something to be able to teach it to other people. That made things quite hard in that I had to balance all different sorts of things, including, you know, not knowing if I was going to have the income and not knowing what exactly I was going to be teaching almost until it happened. So when I was working as a full-time lecturer and finishing off my PhD, because I knew people in the department that were responsible for like looking at my PhD work. So I'm sure I must have had extensions on things when I couldn't finish them in time. About every year, you'd have to write a report and sort of justify what you were doing, outline your plan for, for what you were going to do in the next year and towards the end of your PhD. So I think I was supposed to submit like a nine-month report and it ended up being an 11-month report, you know, after 11 months or something like that. I can't remember. Everyone around me could see that I was working hard and I had more challenges, I guess, than most of the other PhD students. So I think it did help working at the uni and doing research at the uni at the same time because the people that were sometimes responsible for the deadlines of things I had to submit, I was teaching with them. Well, I, I can't imagine like being a lecturer because I used to look up to my lecturers like they like knew absolutely everything. So it's funny to hear you say that you are on the weekend like, OK, chapter 10, let's figure this out. <laughs> I want to take us to what number four, which we've covered like a lot throughout the conversation. But, you know, just a little roundup. What was your university experience like? It sounds wonderful, but like, you know, how would you describe it? And also, do you think... The uni experience is any different as a mature student than it would be if you, you know, classically transitioned straight from A-levels at 17. So I think it was hard, but fun, I would say. So, you know, I had to work hard and because I had all the things I had going on outside of uni as well with the kids and everything. So I had to really work hard to make everything work. But at the same time, it was amazing. I mean, it completely changed my life, not only from a educational perspective but from a personal perspective as well in that I made lots of friends yeah I guess I kind of grew up as a person understanding a lot more about other people's backgrounds and just made loads of friends you know I just had a great time from that point of view but kind of logistically it was quite hard but I would totally recommend it and I think having that break of kind of 10 years between school and uni meant that I knew myself better. I knew what I was interested in more than I did. You know, I kind of feel now, I feel sorry for kids going straight to uni from school. Some kids know exactly what they want to do, sometimes from when they're like five. But I think a lot of the time, how would you know exactly what you want to do when you've only ever been at school? I kind of feel like even if you have a year, one year out doing something, which means that you're working somewhere and getting into the workplace and just finding a bit more about what life's like outside of school. It can help you understand yourself a bit better so that you are more likely to go into a subject area that, you know, you will want to carry on with, you know, for your career after university. Whereas I think if you go straight from school, 
it, it can be quite hard to know exactly what's the right thing for you, I think. So I think that's one of the big advantages of being a mature student is you have time to get out there in the world, see all different sorts of things and, and then work out what you want to do. You haven't just got school as your only real experience. I've definitely heard that before. I say that as someone that went early, that idea of like, yeah, get to know yourself, have more context. And even from what you're saying about the mature student that was like bringing the experiences that he'd had into your lectures. I think there is definitely that kind of benefit of going to university later. I think it's an interesting one though, because I think especially for STEM subjects, whereas where I studied, you weren't allowed to do a gap year. In fact, you had to have like a recent A-level just to show that you'd like kept up kept up to date with it because there is that idea with STEM that it's like do the most when you're younger and I don't know like on reflection beyond what you've just said is there are there any more kind of unexpected benefits that you'd say that you've got from being that mature student and maybe even you know as someone that's now on the other side any benefits that you've seen even in your academic career from having been a mature student when you learn a lot of these concepts? Well I think because I've got an academic career it's good that I worked not in academia beforehand Uh, I guess again to kind of like have that rounded experience you know I know lots of people go into academia and want to stay there and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all but the people in academia that I value the most are the ones that have worked in either in industry or in other roles outside of academia because I think again then as academics you have a more rounded experience of what your students' lives might be like and all different sorts of things around your subject area, which it's quite hard to get if you've only ever worked in academia. You know, we should try and get out there and have all different sorts of experiences, meet people from all different places of all different backgrounds, because it's just so enriching. You know, if you want to live in a world where you understand reality as much as possible and So both, you know, in terms of personal understanding of yourself and also what's happening in the world and what's important to you, the more kind of diverse experiences that you have and and diverse people, I guess, or groups of people that you talk to and interact with helps you to understand reality so much better. I mean, and of course, there are different realities, right? Because I've only ever lived in the UK. And if I could live my life again, maybe one thing that I would change would be that I would live in other countries countries and continents and and just different different environments environments to help help me understand understand what it's like for people all around the world and their experience. experience. So, I mean, I've done the most that I can with the experiences that I've had, but I think all of that kind of diversity of experience really enriches your life and helps you to understand both yourself and the world around you, which can only be a good thing, I think. I was an international student and like, you know, technically still I'm an international person. And it it was like so yeah. much fun to be at a cosmopolitan university where, you know, people were from all kinds of places and engage with different cultures and just like make friends from completely different contexts. Probably one of the best things. It really is. But quick listener question. Um, this is from Anahid V. They're asking, was it challenging to make friends? The course that I was on, the polymath course that I was on at college, four or five of us went on to then um, study maths or computing at Southbank Uni. So I already had a couple of friends. Uh, we went to like the open days together and then we started together in the same class and kind of were friends all the way through. So, so that was really great in having them to start with. But actually, I didn't find it that hard, I think. And I think maybe because everyone's kind of all in it together. And particularly when you've got like coursework deadlines and you've got groups working together. 
you have to get on with other people anyway so you end up making friends with the people that uh sort of an outlook in common with but yeah one of the things i absolutely loved about going to south bank uni was that there it was very cosmopolitan there were people from all over the world all over the uk from all different sorts of backgrounds and i just absolutely to this day still kind of like cherish that and value that that was an absolutely wonderful part of my degree and it sounds like it's a wonderful part of any learning experience so i hope there's lots that folks have been able to take away from to continue today Sue. i think i think that's definitely a big theme that's come through in your answers and in your experience and in the state of play i guess for mature students at the moment is that actually yeah like that diversity age is one that we end up not talking about as often as we should but it's definitely something that is really, really important. And like you said, enriches the learning experience, but also you know, gives you the right kind of context, really, for what you're learning. So super, super excited to have had you today. Thank you so much, Sue, for joining us on Stamets Say What, for talking about your mature experience, for being an all-round incredible person, but also, yeah, just for being, for being you, Sue. <laughs> it's, it's so nice to have you here. Aww. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie and Lauren. It's just been wonderful. It's lovely to chat to you. Awesome. Where can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you do this almost Christmas Eve that we've released this podcast? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so various places. I mean, I'm Professor Sue Black on LinkedIn, Dr. Black on Twitter. Just set up a Mastodon account, Dr. Black on there as well. I'm on Facebook sueblack.co.uk is my own website so there's uh, I'm Sue Black and there's another famous Sue Black so it's quite funny we get (laughs) mixed up with each other Uh, but she's now Baroness Sue Black yeah and also of course do check me out on our wonderful podcast at Durham so that's 100 moments that rocked computer science you've been listening to Stemet say what what a podcast brought to you by Stemets. To find out more about Stemets, visit stemets.org. That's S-T-E-M-E-T-T-E-S dot org. Or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube via the handle Stemets. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you'll get the latest episode of Stemets Say What in your feed as soon as it's released. And while you're there, leave us a review and let us know what you thought. I've been Amrea Maffedon. And I'm Lauren Wallet. Bye for now. I'm very proud. Merry Christmas, everyone. This podcast is produced by Unedited.